one more time. Welcome to the True North Church podcast, where we gather to explore faith, find inspiration, and strengthen our spiritual connection. At True North, we exist to help people navigate through the oceans of life in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Each week, we'll dive into meaningful discussions, share uplifting stories, and delve into the teachings that guide our lives. Whether you're a longtime member or a first-time listener, we're grateful to have you join us on this journey. So, let's embark on this episode of Faith, Community, and Discovery together. He's good, amen? amen. This is Fellowship Sunday. Uh, Fellowship Sunday, you know, somebody's like, Lindsay posted on Facebook, you know, what if everybody came? What if everybody came? It reminded me of an episode of The Chosen. Y'all know who I sound like. When, when the disciples were getting upset with Jesus because he kept talking and they wanted him to leave because the crowds kept gathering and they're like, Jesus, how are we going to feed these people? And what does he do? He says, sit down. And they're like, what? And he says, sit down. And all the naysayers, they were, they were getting upset. And here comes this one person who uh, I, I think, it, oh, uh, he, he, was, uh, he walked with the limp. His, something was wrong with his leg, and Jesus healed him. And instantly, he threw the cane down. And you know what? The crowd, they saw all that, and they sat down. Amen. And the disciples, what happened was when they saw that miracle, they knew, okay, he's got it under control. He's got it under control, and even though we posted on Facebook, if all of Henderson County and Letson showed up, then God would have had it under control. I had the faith this morning when I woke up this morning. I said, Lord, I don't know who's going to be here, but I know, Lord, if it's more than who we've planned for, it's not more than who you've accounted for. I need, you to, I need you to get that kind of confidence when it comes to your life and Jesus. Lord, I don't know what Monday's going to be like, but Lord, it's, it's not a surprise to you, so I'm trusting you. Lord, I don't know what next year is going to be like, but it's not a surprise to you, so I'm trusting you. Lord, I don't know what the state of the church is going to be like, but Lord, it's not a surprise to you. You've accounted for it, amen? There is nothing that he has not accounted for. I can prove it. You go look in Revelations and look how it's all supposed to unfold, all the eeries and wearies and all the shoulda, coulda and all these different things but the last line we win spoiler alert we win last line one of my favorite one of my favorite scriptures pastor craig used to quote all the time there's going to come a day in the end as we're as we're being caught as we're being taken up in glory the scripture says that literally we're going to see the defeated one it doesn't even call him the devil it doesn't even call him satan it calls him by what he is which is the defeated one and the scripture says we will look at the defeated one and we will point and say is that the one that caused all the frustration on the earth and I love it because the author gives this uh, connotation that, that we'll be surprised, like, that was him? Really? That's what we got worked up about? That's what we worried about? That's what we fought over? That's what we fought each, over, uh, each other over? That, that's him? Why? Because we will be in a state of victory. Amen? Amen. We win. Amen? Amen? Look at somebody near you and say, we win. So I, I, you got to get that kind of confidence, that Godfidence, where you have that trust in him. Doesn't mean that your emotions are all always on point. Doesn't mean that you know everything and how it's going to work out, but you know who it's got to go through. Amen. Amen. 
one of my favorite teams, the ball at the end of the at the end of the game when the when it, when the game's on the line. I showed Kellen, you know, because we picked up Kelsey yesterday, but yesterday uh, morning the boys climbed in the bed with me, and I while they're watching, you know, uh, uh, Super Kitties, you know, I'm checking the highlights for my team, and I seen, you know, the Warriors, uh, they won, but the, it was the last couple minutes, and you know who they put the hand the ball in the hands of my boy, and I I pulled Kellen over and said, Hey, Kellen, look at this, and he watched it. He's like. Yeah, I was like, I was like, his team trusts him. You know, if we if we are on God's team and we trust him, then guess what? When things are on the line, don't run to yourself, don't look inward, but look to him. Amen. Amen. Today's Fellowship Sunday. You know, it's where we we get to we get to worship God, not just through song, not just through uh, receiving the message, but also by eating, partaking. Amen. That's my, we said it last week, that's my kind of Jesus. He do a miracle and then he feed everybody. Oh, I, I could have been in that 5,000. Like, you know, let him do his, his, you know, his spiel, talk about how we all need to be doing these things. And all of a sudden, some free uh, fish, fried fish and some, some bread. I'm like, okay, all right. Gee, uh, you know, I, I got a little, me, I couldn't have been there. I have a little cup of water. I'm like, hey, uh, you know, sweet and sour sauce ain't been invented yet. But, you know, if you want to, you know, bless your boy. You know, you put some Polynesian on the table and it's over. It's a done wrap. I'm still working on my kids, trying to get them to like Polynesian, but it's okay. We'll pray for them. We'll pray for them. Right now, they just stick with ketchup, and it is nasty. Ketchup is for fries, burgers, and that's it. Like, bless their hearts. Bless their We won't get into it. I won't ruin your appetite. But I encourage you, if you're able to, please stay for the meal afterwards because um, I believe God's going to do some, some great and powerful things. But, you know, with today being Fellowship Sunday, this particular Sunday, we want to try to do it on the fifth Sunday of every month, or not every month, but every fifth Sunday, you know, uh, to, to, to gather together to fellowship over a meal. You know, it's not something random. Eating is not something random. Eating is not, it's not what we think it is. Amen. Amen. One of my, uh, you know, I, I remember there used to be this, uh, used to be this video that circulated the internet. This one team after they lost against this, uh, this more powerful football team. You know, the the coach gets on the stand and he says they they were who we thought they were, but you know, when it comes to eating and it comes to God, the, the fellowship and over meal is it's not what we think it is. It's 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 more it's more than it's more than just you know consuming. It's more than just putting our favorite stuff in our bellies and drinking our favorite sodas or waters or teas. But really, food it's it's a multifunctional tool given to us by God. See, one of my favorite authors he says in the story of God, eating is not just some daily routine of craving food. That allows us to survive, but it's a ritual of communication with others that allows us to thrive. I want you to start looking at when you go to the table. It's one of the reasons I love gathering at the table. I remember, uh, you know, as a kid, you know, a lot of times dad would be working, so it'd be me and mom, and we would we would gather over Will of Fortune. You know, we 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 watch a Will of Fortune while we be eating or whatever, and then. But I remember, you know, you watch all the movies and stuff like that, where all the big families, and even if there's shows nowadays where the big families once a once a week they gather at the table. And I remember as a kid saying, "When I grow up, I want that." And you know, even when I moved down on my own, I would sit at the table. Why? And I I just get in practice. Yeah, in my little apartment, I sit at the table, get in practice. When Nick moved in with me, and we moved to our little, and I told that story, we moved to our, our, our not-so-great apartment, <laughs> our, our very, our very budget-friendly apartment. We'll put it that. We'll call it that. 
you know, he was still on the couch, but I would sit at the table. Why? Because I was getting in practice for whenever I had my family, we was going to sit at the table. And there's so many scientific things that happen when we gather at a table. I won't go into all of them. But, you know, we, we did a series on liturgies a while back where literally we take the, every, the everyday ordinary things and put liturgical lenses on to see how the ordinary things point us back to Jesus. Amen. That's what True North is about, pointing us back to Jesus. The Bible, the Bible talks about food as a spiritual matter. The Bible talks about food as a spiritual matter. If you're, if you're taking notes, sometimes food in the Bible shows us that God is a faithful provider. I'm just going to give you these scriptures, and we'll go to another scripture in a minute. We'll, we'll be in Hebrews chapter 10, but just want to give you these scriptures so you can go back and look later. But the Bible shows us through food. That God is a faithful provider, Genesis 1, 29 through 31, and 9, 1 through 5. It shows us he's a faithful provider, Genesis chapter 1, 29 through 31, and 9, 1 through 5. The Bible shows us through food as a spiritual matter that God is a generous host, Psalms 23, 5. That God is a generous host, Psalms 23, 5. The Bible teaches us about our hunger for something more. Matthew 4, 4. The Bible teaches us through food about our hunger for something more. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Just to give you a quick recap. God is a faithful provider. Genesis 1, 29 through 31. And 9, chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. He's a generous host. Psalms 23, 5. It teaches us about our hunger for something more. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. And last but not least, it teaches us what communing with God will be like. John 6, 35. It teaches us what communing with God will be like. John 6, 35. So I encourage you, do your homework this week. Do your homework this week, and hopefully what's going to happen is as you study these out, when it comes time to eat again, and you get ready to say the prayer, one thing we started making the boys do, you know, because they, they got really good at God is great, God is good, and we thank them for our food. They got so good that when it was pizza on Friday nights, we say, say your prayer, God's great, amen. <laughs> and the problem was Cohen was watching, and Cohen does whatever his brothers do. So when the boys pray, Cohen will pray. And when the boys rush through that prayer, here goes Cohen. Ah! And takes the bite of the food. <laughs> and after I got done laughing, I was like, as cute as that is, I, I want him to know how to pray. I need him to know how to pray. And I want, the, I want all three boys to know how to be thankful for what they have. Because I've told them, you know, we, 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 you know, a lot of times when we serve something, they don't like, why we got to eat this? I'm like, listen, so one time I looked up the nutritional fats. I've never done this. I didn't do it for myself. I believed, I believed my mother and father and grandmother when they said, you got to eat these English peas. They want to, but I believed them that they said it was going to work out for my good. You know, it did, I guess, whatever. You know, we won't question it. But, you know, I've, I've had to inform my seven-year-old what broccoli does for your body, what protein does for your body, what carbs do. And I'm like, you're seven. I should I put it on your plate. Just eat it, man. Just eat it. 
But after you study these scriptures, I pray that you're going to look at eating differently. You know, one of the things that we have the boys do is they say their own prayers now. So therefore, they have to mentally think about. And I'll hear them, Lord, thank you so much for this food. God, thank you this, thank you for my family. Thank you for my brother. Lord, thank you for my toys. Lord, thank you that mommy and daddy were able to get this. Lord, thank you that this, one time they said, Lord, thank you that this tastes good. <laughs> and I, but at the, I didn't care at that point because I want them to develop their own habit of seeing food and, and still associated with the goodness of God. And hopefully by the end of you studying this, you'll associate, you know what? This ain't just a this ain't just lunchtime. You know, this is a break that the Lord has carved in my work schedule to where I can I can as I'm eating, I can think about his goodness. I can think about his faithfulness that I would still have money to buy it. May not have enough money to go to, you know, the creme de la creme of restaurants, but he's faithful that he's still providing for me. I'm still the seed that is not begging for bread. Amen. Oh, come on. That'll preach. All right. But rarely is food about only about physical nourishment. Rarely is eating food only about physical nourishment. But it's always somebody say always. always. It's always about driving you towards relationship with God. It's always about driving us toward relationship with God and with others. Amen. Amen. So food is not just about nourishing our physical bodies. It's also about driving us toward relationship with God and others. See, at the core, that's who God is. God is pro-relationship. He is pro-relationship. Lindsay, how do you know he's pro-relationship? He's pro-fellowship. He exists in the Trinity. He fellowships with the Son and the Spirit. We talked about it before, and we'll, maybe we'll dive back into it again, but the perichoresis fellowship, where literally all three are indwelling within each other, but they still, they don't lose their self. He is pro-fellowship. One of the benefits of gathering at the table over a meal is this. It pulls people in, and it turns strangers into friends. Ah, I like that. One of the benefits of gathering together at a table is it pulls people in and it turns strangers into friends. Amen. Some, I don't know about you, but some of my, my, my greatest moments in high school was always in the cafeteria. You know, I feel like a lot of stories I always tell Kelsey was always in the cafeteria. One of my regrets was me and uh, me and DJ Miranda was probably the Lord, actually. But me, DJ Miranda and the Shager, we never had the same lunch period. Me and DJ, we had a freshman year, and God was like, listen, if you're gonna if you're gonna graduate high school, Lindsay, we're gonna have to, we got to break this up. <laughs> but we never had the same lunch period. But a lot of my greatest memories were always in the cafeteria. Always at the table with, you know, with some of my friends. And it never start it never started out as friends. In fact, I remember my freshman year, I dislocated my knee. And I had a cast and all that stuff, and I'd go around in crutches. And I remember there was this one bigger guy that was in my grade. He didn't look like he, he looked like he could have been driving an 18-wheeler. Like, he, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was just massive. Already, already, we're freshmen, we're like 14, barely 14. Sungun already had a full goatee and a, you know, and a social security. I mean, I, I, he, just looked, he just looked that mature. And I remember, uh, I remember, you know, I'm sitting at the table, got my, got my leg out, you know, it's in the cast, and the crutches laying on there, and uh, they would let me go to the cafeteria first, you know, because, you know, otherwise I wouldn't get a seat. 
you know, my crutches. So I go and uh, whatever, and I'm sitting there and I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for DJ to come through, and he comes by. He said, "Hey," and he knew my name, or he didn't know me. He said, "Hey, you made a." Man, what, what happened? I told him what happened. So, oh, you going to go get your food for you? What do you want? I said, yeah. So I told him what I want. I gave him, you know, the, the money that my mom gave me. And uh, he comes back. <laughs> he comes back with my tray and gives it to me. I said, hey, where's my change? He said, oh, that's delivery fee. By the, name, my name, by the way, my name is da-da-da. And I'm like, my name is, and, you know. And all through high school, me and him became friends. And uh, he sat down today. Sunga sat down at the table and ate with me. Still kept my change. <laughs> But, you know, 17 years later, you know, I'm, at, I'm working for the Postal Service and I'm working with his mom. And, I, you know, I recognize her and I'm like, hey, you know, uh, I used to, uh, go, I graduated with your son and I told her my name. And as soon as I said it, she said, oh, my son loved you. And I'm like, you know, we, we didn't go hang out after school. The only time we really communed together was at the table, the lunch table in the cafeteria. And so I said, well, tell him I said, hey. And so the next day she come back, she said, oh, as soon as I told him, he lit up. Which makes me, it makes me believe that one of the benefits when we gather at the table, it turns strangers into friends. Because before that moment, you know, we had crossed paths, but we never talked. I was, I was intimidated by him. He, I don't know, probably never noticed me. I was small then. But in that moment, sitting at the table, we got to fellowship with one another. And that's one of the things that happens. When we sit at the table with not just strangers, but even our loved ones, we get to fellowship. We get to see what they're about, and they get to see what we're about. But also, that's what Jesus did. Amen? Amen. You know, a lot of times at the table that I sat at in, in, in school there, you know, it, it, wasn't like, uh, it wasn't like the group that I went to church with. You know, a lot of t- it, you know not, not everybody was praying in tongues at the table I sat at. You know, a lot, of, a lot of most of the people that I sat with at the at the table in in school, it was it was it consisted of farmers, it consisted of Fast and Furious gearheads, it consisted of comedians, it consisted of a couple street pharmacists. You'll probably get that on the way home. Uh, it consisted of a couple of athletes. Yeah, yeah, it was LHS. Hey, you, you got what you got. You didn't, you know. <laughs> hey, there's a reason the Lord prayed over me every day, or Mom prayed over me before I went to school every day. You know, at the table that I sat at, there was a couple of musicians beside myself. There was there was kids from broken homes. There was kids that 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 uh, that you know didn't have the greatest circumstances. But ultimately, what I'm saying is, my favorite memories were sitting at a table filled with people that did not check the Christianese box. They didn't check all the boxes right. You know, a lot of times when we look in the scriptures, we see the Pharisees and Sadducees and all the religious leaders calling Jesus out because he wasn't he wasn't doing life with them. And he said, the son of man didn't. He said, when you know, you don't go to a doctor when you well, but you go to the doctor when you are sick, when you are hurting, when you are broken. He said, the son of man didn't come for your to check all your boxes. The son of man came to to wreck everything and make everybody as one. The Son of Man came to bring everybody to the table. One of my favorite songs that Miranda sings is called First Love by Carrie Job. And there's a line in the second verse where it says, at, uh, at the table, you prepared for you and me. And anytime I hear that line, and even if I'm listening to the song, anytime I hear that line, I see this forest. I see this vast forest. And in the middle of this forest, there's this table big spread I mean any and every food you can think of and only two chairs one of those chairs is a throne and the other is me in there and the next one is God 
God's sitting on the throne. And anytime I hear that, you prepared a table for you and me. He has prepared a table for you and him. Not just to eat, but to fellowship. He wants to hear all about your life. Well, Lindsay, I thought you said God knows everything. He does, but he loves to relive it through us. He loves the conversation with us. But also, there's a trade that happens. We've talked about it before, but when you give him your burdens, there is a trade that happens. When you give him your heaviness, he gives you the yoke that is easy and light. That's why the Lord directed us as we was worshiping. Anything that you had that you were carrying, it was the moment for you to do that trade, amen, for you to do that swap, amen. It's time for us to do that swap. If you have a Bible in Hebrews chapter 10, if not, we'll put it on the screen, but Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25, we're talking about Fellowship Sunday, and we're talking about how, how we, how, how, uh, all the benefits of it. Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to be in verses 19 through 25. Some of y'all may recognize verse 25. Somebody repeat it to me. Say, we are better, we are better together. together. We are better, we are better together. together. Amen. Amen. I've noticed that. I've noticed that uh, just when my boys are apart from each other, they're, they're good for a few minutes. They're good for an hour. But if they're apart from each other, their mood begins to change. They're not as bouncy, they're not as bubbly, they're not as, ah, and they're, they're more a little quieter and a little reserved, especially when we go to pick up Cohen. When we pick up Cohen from Lakehorn, he's quiet. You know, I, I've walked in there, him not see me, he's sitting, he's sitting like a little angel, and I'm like, who's that? That's not Cohen Melton. But then when he gets in the van with his brothers, he comes alive. Why? Because naturally, you are better when you are amongst community. God created you for community, amen? amen. Well, Lindsay, I'm, you know, uh, you know, I'm introverted. You may, you may, parts of your personality may be introverted, but you were created to be amongst community, amen? amen. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, the author of Hebrews says this. He says, and now we are brothers and sisters in God's family. That's us. If you place your trust and confidence in Jesus, then guess what? You are in God's family. The person that you see on the left or the right, that is your brother or sister in Christ. Amen. Amen. Because of the blood of Jesus, and he welcomes us to come into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm, boldly, watch this, without hesitation. So when the devil tries to make you feel like you shouldn't be praying, nope. No, devil. We talked about it before, but when you're praying, there's scriptures you need to be standing upon. Here's one right here, Hebrews 10, verse 19. When you feel like you can't pray, when you feel like you don't deserve to pray, when you feel like you shouldn't be talking to God, no, 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 devil. The word says that I have access to the most holy place, the holiest sanctuary. You have access, amen? amen. You have access. Somebody say, I have access. Verse 20, for he has dedicated, Jesus dedicated a new life-giving way for us to approach God. For just as the veil was torn in two, Jesus' body was torn open to give us free, and there it is, fresh access to him. And since we now have a magnificent high priest to welcome us into God's house, we come closer. Somebody say closer. 
every day you should be striving to go closer, to go further, to go deeper into his presence, to go deeper into his word, to go deeper into your understanding of him. Amen? We come closer to God and approach him with an open heart, fully convinced. God, I, I, I just felt this. And so approach him with an open heart, an open heart. So all your pre, what you think you know about God, you got to put it on the shelf. What you think you know about God. You know, uh, uh, there was one night, mom watched this one episode of The Chosen. You know, I watched it. It was good. All The Chosen is good in my opinion. You know, I, but, you know, sometimes I just like to watch movies where, you know, the world's about to fall, the bomb's about to go off, four seconds left, and ba-ba-ba-ba, kung fu and the day is saved, you know. Jesus ain't doing no kung fu in The Chosen. So sometimes it's a little hard for me. But I remember I was watching The Chosen with her. We watched this one episode. Man, it's good. It's powerful. We talked about it. Put the boys to bed, went to bed, you know, got up, went to work, did life. The next night, she's watching the same episode again. I was like, hey, hey. Hey, didn't you watch that episode? She said, yeah, but I might have missed something. And I'm like, I might have missed something. It's only four or five minutes. There's only so much you can't miss. But I didn't say that because the Lord checked me. And it's funny because this author, he says that we should be approaching God with an open heart. So, yes, you may have read this scripture, and when we get to verse 25, you'll recognize it. But all our preconceived notions, you got to put it on the shelf and say, when you open the Bible, say, hey, Lord, I know what I think I might know, but, Lord, show me something else. I, I put what I know on the shelf, Lord, and I give space for you to come and give me revelation knowledge, revelation knowledge that will help me hold my head up when people are talking about me. Lord, I, I, I clear the space in my heart. I clear the space in my mind so I can look into your word and see. See what you say about me. See how you've created me. See how you placed me in this town uh, with the purpose. See how you've placed me in the family with the purpose. See that you have surrounded me even when I don't feel like I'm surrounded. Lord, I clear the space. I, I give an open heart. Lord, every preconceived notion, Lord, I throw it in the trash. Lord, this is a blank space. This is a blank canva, Lord. Write what you want to write. Show what you want to show. Paint what you want to paint, God. The author said that we approach him with a what? Open heart. So your prayers, you got to have an open heart. You can't just be like, Lord, I didn't like what he said this Sunday and da-da-da-da, it's not this and that, and I can't believe this and da-da-da-da. That's not an open heart. That's the opposite of the Bible. So you're in error. We are in error when we don't go to God with an open heart. Lindsay, you talking rough. I'm not talking rough. It's what the Bible says. Approach him with an open heart. We get on to the boys all the time when we come into the house, especially if, if they've gotten home before me. Oh, Lord, if they, get home, if they get home before me and I come in, Daddy, Daddy, can we have a snack? And I'm always like, bro, I just got home. I would like a hug. I would like a kiss. I want to pick you up. Sometimes I'll be like, listen, Daddy did 511 meters today, and it was hard. But one of the things that got me through it was knowing that I was providing for my kids. So get up here and give me a hug. <laughs> Approach me with some openness. <laughs> this is what I think in my head. When they're like, can we have a snack? Can we have toys? Daddy, will you open the toy? Or my favorite, while Kelsey was gone, bless his heart, Kellen drinks out of this particular water bottle that has the flavor thing in it. When I was growing up, you know, we didn't, we didn't get a, you can only drink water. You know, couldn't drink no flavor water. 
you know, and you felt like you most time you drunk it out of the tap. It was tapping all the all the all the blessing and bougie ones got the water bottles. But we was fine with, you know, straight out of the faucet what it was. But, you know, now everybody's got flavors. That's my spill. But bless his heart, he ran out of the little flavor insert, and I kept forgetting to get a new flavor insert. Why? Because I don't drink flavored water. I think it's nasty. I grew up drinking out of a hose, so I'm okay. I can, I'm, flavored water, what's that? Miss me with that. Okay, this is, I have the living water in me. I don't need that flavoring water, you know. So I, I kept forgetting about the flavor insert. And every time I would get home, he would say, Daddy, did you get my flavor insert? And my response was, it should have been, son, I'm so sorry, I forgot. My response was, bro, I just got home. And you hit me with this. Give me a hug. I'll try tomorrow. <laughs> and the next day, can't forget, can't forget it. And finally, I put it on Kelsey. I said, your mommy will be back next week. She'll get you the flavor insert, okay? I love you. She'll get you the, mommy does. That's why mommy's so good. She takes care of you, right? Yeah, I said, okay, she'll get you that flavor insert, okay? <laughs> That's probably why he was so happy to see her. <laughs> But we had to approach God with an open heart, sincereness. And that's the temptation because guess what? It's not that God doesn't care about what you're going through. But before we get, before you get to the nitty gritty, just approach him with openness. It's, there's nothing wrong with saying this particular sentence. Hey, Lord, I got a lot that I want to tell you. But before we get to it right now, Lord, is there anything you want to say or do? Lord, I got a lot I want to tell you, but right now, before we get to it, is there anything you want to say or do? Practicing that type of language gets you in the habit of going to him with an open heart. But it says we come closer to God and approach him with an open heart, fully convinced that nothing will keep us at a distance from him. For our hearts have been sprinkled with blood to remove impurity. Ooh, And we have been freed from an accusing conscience. Now we are clean, unstained, and presentable to God inside and out. <clears throat> so now wrap your heart tightly around the, the hope that lives within us, knowing that God always keeps his promises. Discover, this is good, discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them towards acts of compassion doing beautiful words as expressions of love. And then verse 25, this is not the time. Somebody say, this is not the time. This is not the time time to pull away and neglect meeting together. Oh, y'all probably picked up what this verse is. As some has formed the habit of doing, in fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. If you grew up with this in the New King James, literally, you know, this scripture as do not uh, do not neglect the gathering or the fellowship of the brethren. Do not neglect it. Somebody say do not neglect it. You know, growing up, we were always told that, verse 25, it was the proof that you need to be in church. Brother, you got to be in church. Do not neglect the assembling of the brethren. And that is true. You need to be amongst people that believe in Jesus. Amen? Amen. The problem with this teaching, though, is we only applied this instruction to Sunday gatherings and Wednesday night services. We only apply this to Sunday and Wednesdays when the heart of the father is not just for his children to come together on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. It's it's not just for us to come together on Wednesdays at 7. But the heart of the father is for his children to come together as much as possible for the purpose of encouraging, 
urging any and urging each other onward. Literally, the scripture said it. It said, in fact, we should come together even more, what? Frequently. Frequently. And why should we come together? Not to gossip, not to point the finger, not to see who's going to vote for this, not to talk about politics, not to talk about all the different problems. But the Bible says that we should be coming together to eager, be eager to encourage and urge each other onward. Therefore, when I get up in the uh, Sunday morning, I should be so excited to see Miranda to know that, you know what, Lord, I thank you. I'm about to see Miranda. Lord, if there's anything you want me to say to encourage her, I thank you that I have the opportunity to do so or vice versa. Or I should be so excited to be in the house of the Lord that I can't wait to see Miss Arnell so I can encourage her. Or see Miss Renee so I can encourage her. Or actually, if I'm going through, Lord, I can't wait to get to the house of the Lord because this week has been a rough week. I know I could get into the house and be amongst other believers that they can pour into me. Iron sharpens iron. Amen. That's the purpose. That's one of the purposes of us gathering together gathering together so we are here not you know we're not here for God to 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 just do all these different you know to 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 fulfill our wish list but the purpose we are here is to encourage and urge each other onward as we see the day approaching what day the day uh, the day of his return the day of his return the day of his return this is what verse 25 is all about in fact, it's, it's, it's part of a much bigger case given by the author of Hebrews to encourage all Jesus followers to gather together, to make our gatherings a habit to come together. Even verse 24, it literally said this. It said that we should be encouraging and motivating each other towards acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as an expression of love. So therefore, while we're at the table today, organically there should be there should we should be encouraging each other and urging each other yes we'll laugh yes we'll 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 cry probably at, at watching the kids be the kids we'll we'll do all these different things but the purpose of us gathering together especially at the table is to for me to encourage you and you to encourage me for you to encourage the person that you're beside and for them to give it right back to you amen for them to urge you to keep your head up yes life is hard but keep your head up. You are, you are, you, you had the God of all angel armies on your side. Yes, you may be the only one doing this. Or yes, you may be the only one at your job living for Jesus. Yes, you may be the only one in your friend circle that literally considers taking the right path or taking the high road instead of being on the, on the low road and, to, and doing all the different things that are immoral. Yes, but we are here to encourage you and you are here to encourage the person beside you. Amen. Let me close with this. There's a method of farming called companion planting. Somebody say companion planting. Now, it's funny because I talk a lot about farming, but I ain't planting no garden. I'm just going to let you know. Physically, I, I don't have it in me. Now, I admire gardens. You know, I remember when I drove on a mail route and I had different farmers and they'd be like, look at this garden. I was good about, oh, man, that's so good. Look how big that is. You know, I remember as a kid when I would uh, hang around with Granny and Aunt Lucille, and we would, uh, you know, we, you know, in the summer, all my friends they get to go on trips and stuff like that, and you know, and then some of us we hang out a little Acorn daycare, but then there are some days where, you know, Mom would be like, okay, well, you need to, you know, you don't need just be in daycare all day every day. You know, there's gonna be one or two days you're gonna stay with Granny. Okay, we stay with Granny. And, you know, it wasn't like Granny was Disney World. Granny was like, all right, baby, you know, seven o'clock, time to eat. We got stuff to do. Uh, okay. 
And, you know, we do chores around the house, or we go, we go on the many different chores around town that she had to do. One of the things I, I was never a fan of as a kid, as an eight- or nine-year-old kid, we go, to, we go to pit turnip greens. Go to pit turnip greens. Now, what eight- or nine-year-old just waits up in the morning and says, I can't wait to go pick, up, go pick turnip greens? You, oh, okay, I was about to say. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you, were, you were a blessing. Me, <laughs> yeah, me, me, I was like, really? I want to stay inside and watch TV or, you know, play in the yard or whatever it is. But I remember, you know, back then she drove this blue dynasty. And uh, we go pick up Aunt Lucille. And then we drive to a part of the county I'd never seen before in my life. And we get out, and I remember one time I finally convinced her, like, Granny, please, can I just stay in the car? And she's like, baby, I'm not going to leave the car running. So, you know, <laughs> I said, I'll roll the window down. <laughs> so she, rolled, she let me roll the window down, and, you know, her and Aunt Lucille, they went. And I watched them. They're bent over picking. They're just talking and cutting up and all this. And everybody's just cutting up, having a good time. And I'm like, here I am, just like, how could they have fun picking turnip greens? There's no TV out here. There's no basketball out. There's nothing, you know. So I, I, I contribute that to be my reason why I don't ever want to physically plant because my granny and Aunt Lucille and all them, they ruined it, you know. But I talk a lot about planting because a lot of times the work of God can be compared to a farmer. In fact, Jesus, or Jesus said in John 15, we read it last week, he said that he is the vine, we are the branches, and his father is our vine dresser, or another translation, his father is our farmer. Amen? But there's this type of farming called companion planting, and I meant to, I meant to buy the, the different pieces of fruit or whatever to show, to give a visual illustration, but just go with me in your mind. But what companion planting is, companion planting is where two or more vegetables or fruits that may not look alike nor taste alike, still within their genetic makeup, they, 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 is the very thing that helps the other one grow. So I'm going to say that again. It's two fruits or it's, it's fruits and vegetables that they may not look alike, but somewhere in their genetic makeup is the very thing that helps the other type of fruit or vegetable grow. Companion planting, it's a, it's a great way to maximize the efficiency of a garden. For almost every vegetable you grow or almost every fruit that you grow, there is likely to be a companion plant that will help increase the, help, help increase the, increase, excuse me, the nutrients, chase away the pest, and help you get most out of your garden. Can I give you an example? Green beans. Why? Because I like green beans. I could do green beans. <clears throat> but green beans... Now, I didn't know this, but, you know, the green beans are actually green kidney beans. I don't like normal kidney beans. I'll do the green kidney beans. I, I, yes, my, I remember growing up, one time, mom gave us kidney beans. I was like, what is this? <laughs> please, Jesus. Mama, please, I promise I'll do better. Don't do this to me, you know. Mm. No, 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 no. But green beans are actually, what? No, no. Okay. But, but green beans are actually green kidney beans that are used as a snap bean when the pods are colored green. I'm like, okay, Lord, I, I can do that. So when people say, do you eat kidney beans? I'm like, I eat the green ones, the green snap kidney beans. 
But what's crazy is when you look at a green bean, its companion plant is corn. Corn. Yes, corn. Now, if you look at they, they look vastly different. You know, obviously the color, one's green, one's yellow. They grow differently. They taste differently. You know, you never, you never, uh, you know, it wasn't until we went to Florida when I discovered fried green beans. But for the most part, when I would go to the fair, you never saw, you know, them passing out or at the county fair, them passing out green beans. But they pass out butter corn. I mean, you go to the movie theater, you don't get popped green beans, you get popcorn. They're vastly different. You know, when you go to the to the chip aisle, you're not going to get a bag of, you know, chip green beans or green bean chips. You get popcorn. They're vastly different. But these two are actually companions for each other. They're actually companions. They're, you know, they're actually friends. Let me pre- let me preach at home. Let me but let me keep it let me keep it low. But corn and beans, they grow well together. Why? Because beans, they will grow up on the corn stalks. They will grow up on the corn stalks, which means that therefore the farmer won't have to build a trellis to raise and elevate the beans. He can just allow the beans to grow up on the corn stalks. So then that saves the farmer from having to do extra work. But also, watch this, beans also fits the nitrogen in the soil, which is good for the corn. Beans will also, uh, they also, uh, because, they, because they produce good soil for the corn, that's a good profit. And a good profit is a good meal. But also then in return, what the corn does for the bean, it helps repel beetles. Therefore, the green bean is, at, is allowed to grow to its fullest state, which is mature, which is ripeness, which is what we talked about. And because these two are able to do this for each other, it improves the growth rate and the flavor for both the corn and for the beans. Lindsay, what are you trying to say? What I'm trying to say is literally what the scripture said is, therefore, therefore, somebody say, therefore, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Let us not forsake the assembling and gathering of us, fellowshipping with each other. Let us not, this is not the time to pull away. It's the scripture we read earlier in verse 25. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some has formed the habit of doing. But in fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other on as we anticipate the day dawning. Just like a corn can help a green bean grow and just like a green bean can help the corn grow, we should be helping each other grow. We should be pouring nutrients in the soil of somebody's heart. We should be encouraging them. When somebody is down, we all should be taking our, to doing everything we can to elevate them back up. There's one of my, well, there's this one Christian song that literally says that if we fall, we fall together. If we rise, we rise together. That's the testimony of the church. That if Miss Miranda is struggling, hey, we're all struggling because we're all right there with her. If she is, if she's got a great, if it's Friday for her, it's Friday for all of us. Why? Because we're lockstep and, and joined together. Why? Because we have this faith in Jesus that we are a part of a family. And if you're doing good, we're doing good. If you're doing bad, we're doing bad. But also, if you're doing bad, we're going to see and we're going to help bring you up. But if she sees that we're doing bad she's going to see and help bring us up why because guess what at the end of the day we build each other up not tear each other down in a world where everybody is about getting their own we are the opposite where we are about seeing you get up before we see ourselves get up 
We're about making sure you are elevated before we elevate ourselves. We're trying to make sure that you get fed before we get fed. We're trying to make sure you get that bread before we get that bread. Because if you get in that bread, then that means, God, we're right next. If God's already given you that bread, if God's already given you that season to where you're winning, we're right next. We're next in line. Why? Because we're more focused on you versus ourselves. Jesus said that it's the last that are first. And it's the first that are last. If we're focused on making ourselves first, then we lose every time. But if we're focused on taking the person that's behind us and putting them ahead of us, then we win every time. We win every time, amen? We win every time. One of my, one of my favorite bands growing up, they said it this way, we got to come together because in the end, we make it all right. We got to brave the weather through all the storms. We have to come together and learn to love. The purpose of us being here, not just today, but it, it, it's for us to grow. What is it that you need growth in? That's what the church should be able to do for you. What is it physically that you need growth in? What is it emotionally that you need growth in? What is it financially you need growth in? What is it mentally that you need growth in? Spiritually, what is it that you need to grow in? That's the purpose of us coming together over a meal. But guess what? You shouldn't just fellowship on Fellowship Sunday. But you should be creating ways to where, like, you know, you may, you may reach out to somebody, whether it's in this building or somebody that you know, and be like, hey, let, let, let's, let, let, let's, let's go have a meal together. And if it's somebody that's not saved, guard your heart. But also go before you initiate it with, Lord, I thank you right now. If this is an opportunity for me to shine your light upon them, I thank you for you giving me the words to do so. And you go in there with all your preconceived notions on the shelf. And you go into it with an open heart. You go into it as a blank canvas to say, okay, Lord, fill my words. And who knows, you may not talk about anything. You may not talk about the fivefold ministry. You may not talk about the Bible. But you just, just be in there. There's this thing called ministry of presence. And ministry of presence is powerful. Ministry of presence says that all you have to do is just be in the room. You don't have to say nothing. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to jump through. You just got to be in the room. And sometimes that's all you need to do is just be in the room for some people. And over time, those seeds are planted. And over time, they feel like, you know what? I'm safe with you. Why is that? And that's when the opportunity kicks out. Let me tell you why you're safe with me. Because the peace of God lives in me. Do you want that same peace? Let me help you find it. Church, I encourage you. Fellowship Sunday, it's, it's bigger than what we think. It's the opportunity that God has created for you to receive what it is, whatever it is that you need. Whatever it is that you need. But also, we, we, we can fellowship with believers throughout the week. You can fellowship with believers throughout the week. One of my favorite things about my father-in-law was I loved whenever I got around him, I learned things that I did not know. Not just about myself. By that areas that, I, listen, there's certain things about cars. You don't want to talk to this George Mountain. You want to talk to senior, not junior. You want to talk to senior. And I'll even tell you, like, uh, you know what? Hold on. Do, 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 do. Hey, hey, uh, hey, Dad, somebody's got a question for you. Here you go. I'm good at pointing you in the right direction. But I remember when we lived in Abingdon, Virginia, we was miles away from Lexington, Tennessee. I couldn't just be like, hey, 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 dad, pops, how do I da-da-da? So then I'm like, okay, Mr. Richard, 
Dad, how do I do this? And instead of him telling me, you know what he did? He got that, he got that big old stretcher. I can't even think of not, uh, the one, huh? There we go, the creeper. I, yeah, that sounds, that's funny. But he got this, he had, hey, it does. But he had this, he had this neon red creeper. <laughs> that's funny. I'm sorry, I can't stop laughing. And literally he pulled out of the garage and we would get under the forerunner. And he would literally walk me through the steps on how to change these different things. Change the alternator on my forerunner. Him and Paul Paul walked me through the steps side by side, one on this side and one on the other. Got a picture of it. And when I see that picture, it reminds me of our relationship as the church, how we get alongside and we help, we walk people through. We walk people through, we walk with them. You're called to walk with them. You're not called to give them all the answers. You're called to walk with them and point them to the answer. But then also it reminds me of our relationship with God, how the Father, Son, and Spirit get on the lawn side with us. And they walk through this life with us. They walk through your life with you. Amen. You're not alone. You never were. You never will be. I don't know who that's for, but you never will be. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Lord, thank you so much. for Thank you for listening to the True North Church podcast. If you're not already following us on social, check out our website at truenorth731.com to find direct links to our pages. Also, if you would like to contribute to the work we are trying to do, you can click the safe and secure giving link and follow the prompts. Thank you for helping us build and strengthen our community. Until next time, have a great day.